You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 11, episode 18. I'm John, and tonight joined by Miguel, who makes it a fun after two weeks off. I'm feeling better, mate, to be fair. First week I was hungover for the transmit. Second week I thought my wisdom tooth was going to come flying up my mouth. But we're aye. back. Well, I can vouch for you being, for being a aye, transmitting, because obviously I met you after it at Amy McDonald, which was, was good. I was still alright at that point, to be fair. I was surprised aye. myself, like. You were decent, to be fair. You like, were speaking to the missus and me, and uh, it can be easy when you've been out the full day on a bender just to be so, able to speak, but it was actually all right. Shouldn't have seen was, me on the Monday, anyway. I will. I, probably never helped up with Stone Cold Sober as well, meeting you at midnight for a gig. That was weird. The pattern didn't get much better, John. I from, was you or, that from you or me? For you? For you? For you aye, aye. I know. Like, that was hilarious. I, I wasn't sure whether to post like my, my celebrity photo with you online nah. and say that may like but print it and I'll sign it for you though, right? Right, okay, okay, no worries. <laughs> Maybe get it tattooed or something like that on me. But I anyway, we don't do good. I, I'm not a particularly huge fan actually prior to going to see her, but I generally ten out of ten concert for me. The missus loves her. I, I, I thought she was brilliant. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. She did also reply to one of our tweets. Uh She's not coming on the podcast yet, but we'll maybe get her in future. Who knows what happens? Um, we're also joined by Erin. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Good. Nice to be, um, nice to see Scott back again on uh, a special episode. I won't spoil the specials. Although, actually, I think we have tweeted about what it is. Um, for anyone who's heard me sing, I won't be doing any singing on this podcast. Yeah, I, I probably won't be either, actually. Um, I was thinking, though, with the four of us, like, ABBA are looking a bit different, aren't they? <laughs> to come back, yeah. Two people giving, laugh, giving, by giving the way. To Christian Ramirez, though. Two people did laugh there, so I'm taking that one. So yeah, we do have a football and music special, and there might be a bit of food chat sandwich in between. So yeah, special guest tonight. So this is the first one we're doing properly. We have kind of touched on it because Miguel, obviously, you were on last season, wasn't it? I met after the Scotland stuff. I was on. It was good. But we didn't call it a music football special, I don't think, at that point. But basically, that was the that's kind of been the, the pilot for it, I suppose. Mate, four chords does does not make you a musician. I've told you that already. Oh, wait, look, Oasis played four chords and look at what they did. <laughs> and I love Oasis. So, we are joined tonight by a special guest and we're pleased to announce we've got Iona Fife on. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yourself, thanks for having me on. Aye, no pleasure. Uh, just call you Iona from now on, I won't give you the full name. But um, just for those that maybe don't know that much about you, I'll let you do a wee intro on yourself. Yeah, I'm a folk singer, Faye Huntley in Aberdeenshire. Um, but I moved to Glasgow back in 2015 when I was 17 and I did a degree in folk music here. And I've sighed in Glasgow ever since. Um, but Aberdeenshire is still my home. Quite right. You always, it's not where you're at, it's where you're from, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think when a lot of your music is intrinsically linked with our your fate, um, it's important to not lose sight of that. Um, I mean, Glasgow is, I'm so proud to live here. Like the, the people are unreal, the community is unreal. Like there's things that's happened over the last year or so in the coming together community that's made me feel like really pl- proud to be a wee bit of an honorary Glaswegian. Um, but I guess being from Puntley, I, I, yeah, I miss it all the time and I didn't get back enough. But I do feel like being from the northeast is such a, an identity in itself. I definitely. Erin will maybe vouch for that. Yeah, I like Edinburgh and it is nice and it's nice to live here. But <laughs> Aberdeen is lovely. People say, people who have not been, it's people who haven't been that say it's not. But it's so nice. And it's a lovely Wait. little train journey up the east coast. I must admit, whenever I say to folk, oh, you know, if you're going on holiday, like a lot of tourists will go like, you know, Glasgow, Inverness, Fort William, Sky, Edinburgh, the end. I'm like, you're missing out on a whole swathe of beautiful places and castles and whiskey distilleries and like lovely things. Aberdeenshire in the northeast gets such a bad rap because it's sometimes dreek and it's sometimes grey. But to be honest, it's got great music. It's got great, great stuff for, for kids as well. But yeah, I think it's great. But it's folk that didn't go that, that knock it. And I'm like, well, you can't knock it if you haven't went. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is definitely underrated by tourists. And there's lots of lovely places. I think as an outsider, obviously goes to Aberdeen for the football and stuff like that. It's because I think you just go to the city centre. And there's maybe the city centre and obviously needs regenerated, which is something we'll come on to later on. But anytime I've said to like my friends that are from Aberdeen or whatever or up that way, they'll say the city is just a small part of Aberdeen. It's go to Bankery, go to all the other places and see all the lovely places there is to see. So, yeah, it's something I probably need to do myself because I think we've all been guilty of, before COVID, certainly, getting a plane. Where can we go? Where's the furthest we can go? Whereas the last like 18 months we've had, to, we've not had to go, but we have had to go like in the UK and you see so many great things. Like our country is like fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This staycation thing is amazing to boost our local economies. But, you know, there has been a regeneration plan drafted up. And I think the the current government has tried to invest money in a post-oil Aberdeen. And that's great. And I think there's also a cultural regeneration strategy in place, a 2050 one. So Aberdeen's definitely going to be on the up and up. But I just feel like it's a city that's been ravaged by rich, wealthy oil men and families. And then and then they left, leaving a shell of a place. And you see that from the rent prices. They were sky high when I was young, and now they've, they've fallen down a wee bit. Um, so I, I do think that Aberdeen's a great place to, to bide, but I just feel like for your musician, it's best to bide in the central belt because that's where all the opportunities is. And that's a shame, isn't it? I definitely is. I actually brings me on to the first question from... Our, well, our other host John so his thought and question is where do you think the team should be located going forward because obviously there's a speculation originally about where we were going to maybe go hopefully that's not the case but some might agree with it but it's part of the regeneration plan hopefully down at the beach and surely like for a city in terms of regeneration plan it's going to be the best option I don't know if you agree or think differently well I was thinking I mean 
if you think about Celtic, their training grounds are miles away from Parkhead. They're up, up in Lennox and in, in the middle of Newai. And that's actually a really great place to get the footballers actually focused a wee bit, get out the city, a wee bit of a bus drive. I'm not sure what the logistics are on game days because I wouldn't want to warm up one place, sit on a bus for 40 minutes and then play. But um, yeah, the campus up at Lennoxton is amazing and the fact that it's proper remote it's out the wire other things and I was wondering you know if they're already training at King's Wells then why not just hear the big stadium out there but then again we've seen the likes of the P&G you know the arena being being moved out a bit Mm -hmm. and I don't think there's um I don't think there's public transport infrastructure which supports that in Glasgow you know you've got you've got folk that come for big arena gigs and they can go to the hydro on the Anderson train they can get the subway they can get you know an uber really quickly they Mm -hmm. can get all these different things to take them um doing doing um doing Anderson but I feel in Aberdeen, there's not really that kind of infrastructure that would get Falk out to the PNG Live, that would get Falk out to Kingswells really quickly. So for, for me, that's the reason why I think the beach is probably a better idea, because it's closer to tune. Falk aren't going to be struggling for taxis and all that. But saying that, for the players, it might actually be nice to um, have a have an arena, have a, have a stadium near their um, training grounds. So I don't know, really. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I know Dave Gormat's been speaking recently about he what he's all for the beach now, but he's talking about if they do do that, then out at Kingsway, what they will do is have some kind of indoor facility so that in the winter months, or then well, doesn't even just be the winter, it could be any time of year that you can use the indoor facility, and it will surely improve things from a footballing point of view, yeah, and more so people that come to the club. Yeah, I agree. And saying that, there are so much outreach programmes that Aberdeen do with young players that having two separate venues isn't that big of a of a deal. Like, actually, it would be really good because it could maximise what they actually do. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure down at the beach is fine. But, you know, I was in Aberdeen um, last week for a wee gig and uh, I took a guy who had never been to Aberdeen before and he's from Newcastle. He plays piano for me. And you know, we, we get to the Aberdeen Uni Freshers' Fair, we moonlighted as students, we pretended we were students, walked around old Aberdeen, went to the beach, took him round Cadonas, we didn't have gone on any rides. Um, but then after that, unless we were going straight out the city, I was like, what what are we going to do for another six hours? So I think there, there needs to be much more going on. Um, I mean, you've got the art gallery and all that, but it's, it's parking as well. You have to think about logistically how are you going to get there what's it going to be like getting out of Pataji from a song there me and my mum were sat hours in traffic and I was like there has to be a better infrastructure put in place for folks to be able to leave just as easy as they come in so I think the beach would be cool but saying that like what you have to think if you were a player would you rather have all the distractions around you or would you rather gang out the why? Aye what do you think Miguel in terms of like obviously Lennox down getting discussed and it being a fair bit away from Parkhead. Do you think that helps in a way? Mate, I've went to see that about three or four times and I still can't find it. <laughs> Swear to God, you cannot find it anywhere. You must need like a pin, pin drop location to get to it. It's so right. secretive. I, I was there. Like, oh, yeah. I was there last, a few weeks ago, um, me and my pal went up a walk and there's this place called Lennoxton Castle. It's not really a castle, it's an abandoned abandoned asylum for you know people with mental illnesses years ago that's where they were put 
and it had a big fire and it's a really creepy place for kids go to hear a drink and we were just there on like a Sunday afternoon but to walk up to this place you walk past the Celtic training run but it's quite secluded you would never know that it's there they've no really got that big iron corrugated fences that rangers have by Milgai you know you didn't really see it you didn't see that it's there um, it's kind of it's not cordoned off on him but you can't drive up to it it's like an on foot thing and you had to park in Lennoxton and then walk up to it but it's totally like it is secluded and I think that's really good but we were, you know you walk past it to go to this creepy castle and you see all these cars parked outside it and you think aye we've got the right place here <laughs> uh, that is honestly I've, I've struggled to find it like it's absolutely mental like but uh can I ask you a question about music, Iona? As uh, see the likes of the last year, like, I'm I'm a pub musician, but obviously still it, it pays it pays all right. Like to be fair, but like see yourself, I take it you do that you do it professionally, like without any other job, no second job. Yeah, what was the last right. What was the last year like for you? It was horrendous. Like, it was so horrendous. So. I trained in music at the conservatoire and you know I grew up in Huntley with folk telling me oh you better have a you better have a backup you better stick in at school you better go and do a degree like business or politics or law or something that you can get a job out of and I thought you know I could have done all these things but I didn't really want to um so I went to conservatoire I got the music degrees I got a degree from London College of Music as well but to be a musician you don't need a blooming degree um I was just doing it so that I could have four years to build my profile and get gigs and over the last year, I had tours in Australia, cancelled, America, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, everywhere, really. And it was, it's been horrendous. And I had to, when I was at uni, I thought, you know what, I don't really want to teach. I want to just perform, you know, as a musician. I want to, a lot of musicians will do like a wee bit of teaching on the side, um, a wee bit of lecturing, maybe, you know, whatever. But their main thing wants to, it has to be performing. And I think I don't I don't necessarily do weddings that much. And I don't I, you know, I was privileged in the fact that I was doing gigs at folk festivals or, you know, art centres or wee venues where it was ticketed and, mm-hmm. you know, people would would pay because it, with the intention of this is what they were going to see. It was all kind of touring stuff. But all that was cancelled. And, you know, I, I very quickly decided to do some live streams and do some, you know, make a Patreon and try and build my profile online and just do other things like I didn't think that you know a year ago I'd have had the opportunity to you know spout my political opinions for the national and get paid (laughs) to to write stuff about Neil Oliver you know it's actually been a really good learning curve because I've learned that actually I can do a lot more than just sing a song um you know I constituted your advice and we've been lobbying government for a Scots Language Act and it just shows that I can do more than music if I wanted to. Um, but I just want to get back to, to touring. That's the main thing. And actually, this coming week, I'm going to Denmark for my first you know, international tour since all this began. And I think it's only eight gigs, but, you know, it's, it's another country. People have paid for tickets. I'm really excited. I've never been to Denmark before for gigs. So, you know, my agent over there is like really persevered with booking these gigs. So I'm excited to go. I did I did see, I think it was um, in last year, that you're kind of running a, a campaign for musicians to actually get recognised as a job. Like, yeah. Because it kind of put us all to the side, to be fair. And 
they just disregarded anything that, that is any arts whatsoever, be it a musician or a painter or, you know. I think it was um, just in general, like the way that the self-employed people have been treated um, has been horrendous. So self-employed, that means you could be a joiner, a roofer, a, a construction person, a musician, a hairdresser, a beautician, whatever. Self-employed people, you know, they got this self-employed income support scheme and it was going 50%, 60%, 80%, 20%, whereas the furlough were paid at 80% the entire time. And it was very much taken advantage of by some unscrupulous businesses. Mm. But a lot of the time, musicians were cast aside as being, you know, not a proper job, not recognised properly as a trade. But actually, if you think about it, you know, musicians contributed, what, $5.8 billion to the economy in 2019? And that's in, you know, ticket sales alone. In associated spending, it was another four point seven billion. Mm. You know, it's it's a huge, huge trade. You know, when I do a gig, it's not like people just come and watch the gig. People travel, they pay money for petrol or train fares, they book a hotel, they go for a meal before the gig, they maybe all go for a drink before the gig. At the venue, they'll buy another drink. In the interval, they get another drink. At the end, they'll get another drink. They might go out after on the randan. They might buy breakfast or brunch the next morning before they go home. Every gig we do, if it's ticketed or not, if people's coming out to see you, they're contributing to the local economy. And that's what the government totally failed to acknowledge. And the fact that, you know, self-employed musicians are not just skeeping off the government. We are an economy in its own right. And I felt like totally let down in the fact that the self-employed income support thing simply was not treated in line with a furlough. And I think that it's it's so indicative of the government to do that, though, because our government, the UK government, don't really care for the arts. And that has been, you know, for several years, that's what it's been like. There was a cultural recovery fund um, put out. 40 million of that was put on a new cabinet for the crown jewels in the Tower of London. So that was a scandal that was uncovered earlier this year. 40 million went to a private a private organisation, um, and I presume that they were donors, but to create a new cabinet for the crown jewels. Quite literally, that's what it went on. And that's not what the Cultural Recovery Fund was meant for. It was for musicians who were struggling. It was for small art centres and venues and grassroots venues, whether that be a wee pub on Zucky Hall Street or a huge theatre like His Majesty's in Aberdeen. It was it was for venues to continue to put on productions and book artists and create new opportunities for people. But yet the UK government gave so much money away uh, to their friends. Mm, thank you, Mr. On the subject of Crown Jewels, we've got our uh, link up with Manscaped, so I think this is a good time to bring it in. So Manscaped, you can get 20% off any product plus free shipping off your Lawnmower 4.0, your Weed Whacker. Basically, keep your Crown Jewels tidy, but you don't need to spend £40 million. It's a lot less money than that. So uk.manscaped.com. And actually, that's probably the best link we've ever done on that. Um, just going back to the whole like the COVID impact, we were speaking, obviously, prior to the podcast just now about music and football is so, it kind of goes, it, it does intertwine massively because the working class element, and we were speaking about this, the working classes become successful through the likes of music, the likes of football, but it's also not just even that. COVID has impacted, I think, everybody's mental health, not just people, they say this one and fourth, and I don't believe that, I think we've all been affected by mental health in some way. For that, though, not just probably for 
the people going to gigs, but even for the musicians. Like, was it Sunak and all that were saying, musicians, just get a different job. They were basically telling all musicians or everyone in the music industry, it's all right, just get a different job. Now, that's all right, that's very good saying that. There's no enough jobs in the UK or Scotland for that matter. So how is this going to happen? What are they going to do? Just magic up some jobs? Yeah, so the ref- the campaign that you're referring to was a really, really high-profile, horrendous take from the government. And it was actually aimed at, at everyone in the arts, not just musicians. So people in theatre, people, you know, the specific one that really caught everyone's attention was a picture of a ballet dancer tying her shoes. But um, the, the text next to it was, Fatima's next job could be inside cyber, so doing cybersecurity. Well, I'm pretty sure that the government are, is hoping that Fatima is actually a heavy goods uh, lorry driver. I'm sure that that's what they would prefer now. Um, but yeah, it's so indicative. It's so cheeky. You know, being a musician, I mean, you, you've got different, you've got, there's a continuum of, you know, what different musicians do. You've got, you know, you've got like Scott does, he does some pub music, he goes into different, all of them are valid, by the way. You might have a classical musician that sits on an orchestra and gets paid salaried by the orchestra. So they're in a very good position. And you might have musicians that, you know, they, they run their own business. They are the business. Um, if their gig's cancelled, their gig's cancelled and, and that's it. Um, and that's their sole income. But I just I think that everyone was really thrown under the bus. But but it's just that idea that oh the arts is is not actually something that we want to fund properly. Yet at the beginning of March last year, you know, the Scottish government created something called the Creative Scotland Bridge and Bursary Fund. And I think that was around two and a half grand that was made available to each, you know, eligible applicant that applied within three weeks of March the 23rd. So within three weeks of the first lockdown happening there was support already made available. Now, it's difficult because all of these pots of funding come from very different places and our governments decide on what to do with it. Um, And I'm sure that if Scotland had borrowing powers, we would have also went and borrowed all the money and done our own furlough thing and done our own self-employed income support thing. Um, But the way that they divided up that cultural funding pot was much fairer than other countries you know other nations you know Welsh musicians didn't get as much Northern Irish musicians didn't get as much English musicians didn't but I felt really looked after in the fact that the first three weeks there was this money made available to to musicians and creatives in Scotland and it just showed you know it's no just talk I find that sometimes when you do something good or you win an award the the local MSP or MP are first to lodge a motion about you in Parliament, yet they won't vote on things which helps your industry. You know, I remember a few years ago, I won Scott Singer of the Year, and it was Alexander Burnett, or one of them, it was either Alexander Burnett or Andrew Bowie who put a motion in. I think it might have been Alexander Burnett because it was a Scottish Parliament motion. Uh, yet he's the per- he, you know he belongs to a party that pushed forward with Brexit, which took away my right to tour in twenty seven European member states without visas. So how I feel like actions and words there is some sort of disassociation between what they say and what they do, how they treat you and how they want to be shown to treat you, and that's exhausting. Take it for the Denmark tour, you're walking or cycling to get to there. 
I wish we are going to fly and then we're going to borrow our agent's car, which is really nice of her to lend it to us. So we'll have to get insured on that. And I think Michael, my pianist, will do the driving because I'm not a very good driver on this side of the road, let alone the other side of the road. What, what about the likes of, have you ever, you've toured um, in Europe before though, have you? What's that like in terms of being like going to play as a Scottish artist, the like expats and that come and watch you and can I feed off that? Yeah, I mean, I actually know much expats. I mean, a few per audience would, would perhaps be expats for Scotland that, or they have Scottish relatives or, you know, in Canada, when I went over to Canada, there was people coming up to me going, oh, my great, great grandfather was a scat. And I'm like, aye, was he? Aye, was he called McDonald? Um, so we've got that. I mean, unfortunately, due to colonialism, we've got people all over the world who, who are related to Scottish people or English people or whatever. Um, but I do find that, you know, when I was in Australia as well, that was really prevalent in the fact that people named Fife was coming up to me going, oh, my God, are we related? I was like, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> generally, in Europe, there's a huge, huge market for Irish and Scottish folk music in Austria and Germany and Switzerland. And I mean, that might be because of the Second World War, because after after the Second World War, you had countries like Germany who, you know, if they were liking German folk music, that, that wasn't a thing. You were you were not a German liking German folk music post-war. Um, so unfortunately, we've lost a lot of bonny German folk songs because that idea of, you know, folk song in Germany was a very nationalistic thing, which was tied to the Nazis. And that's that's a shame. But what did happen after that was um, a lot of people in those countries tied themselves to other cultures and traditions. And for them, they love Irish music. They love Scottish music. So um, we are unfortunately reaping the benefits of years and years of horrendous history. And we should probably acknowledge that a wee bit. But going forward, um, being able to tour these countries is amazing. And it all it all really depends on what their stance is on musicians post-Brexit. Because if I wanted to go and do a gig in Spain, it would be around, what, like 600 quid for a one, like a work permit. And if you've only got one or two gigs, then it's probably not worth it. Whereas in different countries like France, they've got a cultural exemption programme, which is great. But, you know, years ago, I did a, a tour where we went to Austria, Switzerland and Italy, and it was easy. All you had to do was weigh the van at the checkpoint. And if you were under, great. If you were over, you had to maybe pay a fine or something. But like now we don't have that frictionless travel. And for bigger acts, they have to like pay carnies for the, you know, for equipment that they're taking over, um, heavy goods lorries that they're taking over. For me, it's just a case of getting the work permit, getting the visa, paying income, like paying tax on my CDs before I even sell them, which is not good because I might not sell them. Um, getting EOI numbers, like loads of bureaucracy and loads of paperwork that I didn't have before. But for the bigger acts, you know, for bigger acts, it also affects them. I mean, I'm sure Lewis Capaldi's label could afford to pay for all this, but it's still a bureaucratic headache um, to get your heavy goods lorry, you know, checked and put through and get an actual driver for it to begin with. Um, it's uh, this effect, it breaks its effect in every musician. Um, but saying that, when you do get there and you get to do the gig, you'll find that it's people local to the town and also people who have got a connection to where you're from. 
and they will make you very much aware of that and they'll speak to you for half an hour after the gig about it and then not even buy a CD. Oh dear. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We, I love everything <laughs> that comes in <laughs> I've seen you perform uh, Iona at Pachodri. Oh, mental. I was. Uh, it was brilliant. My dad loves your version of it. It was quite emotional, actually. No, it it was emotional doing it. I mean, I I must admit I took Valium before I did it, um, and I I can't mind much of it because I was so nervous, um, and I was like, I just wanted to get through it and no make a mess of it. But all I can remember is like keeping my head down and like trying to no swerve off the like line because they were like, right, you'll go out into the middle. I was like, what? The middle? Like the, the very middle, like the middle of the pitch. Um, so I felt pretty nervous, but I can't really remember much of it because I was fleeing. But actually, you know, that a lot of musicians do that. And I only pull that stops when it's a really big gig. But I'm glad that it went down well. You were really good. I'm jealous. I... You know, when people say if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? And everyone would picks the same stuff. One of mine would be able to be able to sing. I love singing and I'm not good. I'm I'd be the same. Fine. I'm I'm musical for football. If I could either be a rock star or a footballer, rock star every day of the week. I just want and to be a, a football podcast. Oh no, I'm not I want to be musicals. I want to be maybe not taking volume, but uh, yeah. I just love I want music. To, like, go like to I, I'm gutted I carry play. I've got five guitars. They're just um, ornaments. I want to go to karaoke with people I don't really know and then get up and everyone's like, wow. Like, I want like, to a, like, life, like a life yeah. less ordinary. You I and, just want to like, I would love to be able to sing. People have told me, and I think this must be harsh and probably untrue, that I'm the worst singer they've ever heard. But that seems a bit extreme. Yeah, I think have. that's being mean. I think that's what being mean. Well, I'm of the opinion that everyone can sing because it's like everyone has the ability to put ear through their vocal cords but it's all about control and some people are born with better control than others but at the end of the day your anatomy to make you sing is all about muscles and I find that see if I like I'm ill for a week or I'm just lazy and I don't sing for a week I'll have to sing into it and do a lot of work to try and get myself back there Scott's nodding so he probably knows all about this or, you know, it's a, it is a muscle and you can learn and you can learn to train that muscle. Um, but yeah, I think I think loads of folk think that being a singer is fun, but it's actually a lot of, it's a lot of um, treating yourself like you're an athlete. You know, before a big gig, I won't have chocolate or dairy or milk or yogurt or anything like that for like a week and a bit before at least. And I won't drink that much. Um, it, well, I, I'll try not to drink at all in the lead up to it. I'll try and sleep a lot. I'll try and train a lot. I sing a lot to get that muscle ready. It, there is a lot of similarities between like being a, a fully functioning, you know, touring musician who has to get up every day and do a sound check, maybe do a media interview, maybe, you know, do a full gig, sell CDs after, go back to the hotel room. It's, there's that repetitiveness of it. And it definitely requires like a lot of, um, not self-determination, but restraint when it comes mm. to taking a gin after the gig or getting enough sleep. Um, but I think just like athletes, you have to treat your body as if it's the thing that you're... That's Are you happy. saying like in the shower and in the car and stuff and like <laughs> just like for fun as well though? 
I do. I do now. Over lockdown and well, actually, when I was really busy with with gigs and stuff in 2019, I was super stressed with all the admin and the gigs. I actually kind of forgot how to sing just for fun. And then lockdown happened and everything was cancelled. And I was like, oh, shit, who am I if not someone who performs live in front of people? And, you know, I started singing songs that I've never sung before and old repertoire that I maybe learned when I was, you know, a, a bairn or a teenager. And then, I mean, my love is for Taylor Swift. I'll, she is my absolute... Me too! She's my icon. Like I thought I was going to say that and you'd be like, because this is actually like your job and stuff, I thought you'd be a bit like, she's quite basic, but okay, cool. No. I, she's amazing, isn't she? She's probably one of the best people I've seen live as well. She's brilliant. Oh, you've seen her live? I've never In seen her Oh my god! If so, she comes to Glasgow, we'll go. We can go. We can go. I'm. I'm actually. I. Oh my god! John's got the, the Elton John. I was quite well, emotional. I, I just. I just thought if I stick these on, would that make me sing better? Do you think? Perhaps. I mean, I think. That, so Taylor <laughs> Swift. Um, I've actually recorded a Scots language version, a love story. Not a funny thing actually like a full mandolin full band studio version of it i'm just waiting for a time to punt it out um she i've listened to her since i was like 12 ever since that first fearless album came out all the way up until now like i i keep falling in love with her over and over again picture to burn was my first like song of hers and it was so good and i just thought she's brilliant and then she takes out an album and every time she takes out an album, I'm like, I love everything about this. Mr. Perfectly Fine is so good. So I have like dreams where I meet her and it's really weird. So on my Instagram, you know, you can I'm sh- I'm putting my phone up to the to the um to the camera. On my Instagram, you know, you go on to your explore thing. If I go onto my explore thing, it's just pictures of Taylor Swift. Mine's um a mix of Taylor Swift and, and nail ideas. Yeah. That's pretty much all I need to look at on the internet. She's so brilliant, isn't she? This could could become a new question, actually. What's on your Explore on Instagram? There should be. I think, think, but also as well, Erin, you said one of your wishes was to sing. So we could do a three wishes thing as well. I like that idea. You've given us one wish. But we go, well, we could maybe save it. I reckon it could be, a, or do we start it tonight? Let's go with it. I think we should no, let's it and we can do it. We can do it going forward. We'll come back I next think week because so. Miguel's not had time oh, to think of it. Well, I think Iona wants to give her three wishes. I can yes, see that she's buzzing to give three wishes. So maybe for the guests and we can do it. Because we well, actually, I was kind of keen on hearing Erin's three wishes considering she likes Taylor Swift so much. But yeah, one of my three wishes is actually to meet Taylor Swift. Because right, I, okay. like, I, I have maybe a bi-monthly dream where I meet her. Like, it's the weirdest thing in the world. So I've had two in the past two months where I just meet meet Taylor Swift. And it's just the weirdest thing in the world. Do you sing together? In one of them, we sung together. Yeah. Could you imagine that? (laughs) What would you sing with her? Which song? I'm not sure. There's there's too many. Probably something from 1989. I think it's banging. I think it's... Yes, Ryan Adams. You like Ryan Adams? Ryan. Ryan Adams. Like, Like the... Yeah, not, like not Brian Adams. He covered he covered 1989. The entire Ra- Yeah, <laughs> right. So Ryan Adams, American guy, not to be confused with Canadian Brian Adams. Yeah. Brian Adams, I, I really like Ryan Adams. I've seen him a few times. He has done a, the, a full cover of that yeah, album. Yeah, Blind Space. And he's brilliant anyway. I, I reckon if you like that mm. kind of music, you'll like Ryan Adams. Okay, he's well, I'm going to listen to that. Um, I, I just love her. Um, so I guess. 
yeah, I guess one of my wishes would be to to actually meet her um, in any sort of capacity. I don't know, like the way the way that it's going to happen is when that when I do release Love Story, we've got a Scots language version of it. It's been translated into Scots. It sounds really good. It's not, you know, it's not laughable. You know, sometimes when you sing songs in Scots, you know, like. I don't think we are never ever getting back together works because Love Story is um, such a country folky song to begin with. It really works. Um, when that comes out, I have to get ex- the way that music works basically is that if you do, a, you know, if you release a cover, it's fine. You just have to do the the paperwork, and it's all good. But when you release like a translation of something, the writer needs to like sign off on it to make sure that your translation into your language has not taken the song out of the context the original writer, um, you know, put that song out in. So I think that either she has to sign off on it or the label does or something. So at some point, I'm going to have to actually stick my neck out and send an email to our publicist. I've got our publicist email and all that, got the right connections, but I just haven't sent the email. I'm too terrified. Um, so yeah, like and P.S. Um, please can I meet her? But also um, apparently she's super nice and she does loads of really cool things for fans and like she is lovely. Make I, it happen. Make it happen. I love her so much. Let's make it happen. I'm actually so glad you love her because I feel like she, it is quite basic. Because when you say you love Taylor Swift, people are a bit like, okay. I don't think no, she's no. Because see this new, the folklore and the evermore, and there's a new album called Big Red Machine, where she's collaborating with like the guys from the National. It's really, it's really indie and it's not what she does normally. So like she has became country pop and now indie folk, I think. All of her new folklore evermore, Big Red Machine stuff is like indie folk. So I think that she's a woman of many genres. I think she's got a lot of respect. I think she's got a lot of respect. Like, I, I, my mate used to always go on about her. Like, and my mate, it's my mate, not a, a female, because it's mainly females I thought liked her, right? And that's maybe been a bit weird and snobby about music. But he's sent for ages, honestly, listening to Taylor Swift, listening to Taylor Swift. And I was like, he had the odd pop song. Yeah, good pop songs. But then the, when she did the stuff for the National and uh, Father John Misty, I think, is on it. I think there's a few. I was like, wow. Like, I was totally, what, what's going on here? Like, genuinely. And like, yeah, so it just shows you never judge maybe just a few songs like but amazing I think it just shows that you can your sound can always evolve and change and mature and she's only like 30-ish 31 um and that gives me hope that you know you can change what you do and people will come with you and they won't just revolt um but yeah actually she is incredibly respected in, in most scenes in music um, it's it's amazing the amount of people that that respect her um, that are huge huge stars and even like the nichest of folk music people like love her as well. Someone the other day I was doing an interview with um, a guy called um, Brian O'Donovan and his daughter is Aoife O'Donovan who is an American folk singer. Um, super super big she's got a band called I'm With Her who covered um, Adele's Call My Name you know their Grammy award winning and he was saying that most great musicians that he has met love Taylor Swift that that he's never met a great musician who love her who doesn't love her um, and I think that's because she's just like she's just the best she just tells it as it is um, and if I could like I think it's just the fact that it's such a show I've never seen her live but I've listened to like all of the tracks and all of the tours like on YouTube and like it just seems like 
such a show and not like a show like a contrived like doing acrobatics like pink type stuff like a show where it's just like someone singing you know she plays piano in it she plays guitar in it she sometimes plays banjo like she's an actual musician it's not just smoke and mirrors and that's what I love her so that's one of my wishes okay um, I think another one of my wishes would be to probably to at some point in my life go into politics and be successful in that um, I don't know what the scene will be like when I choose to do that. I don't know where we'll be, what what party will be in power. I don't know where Scotland will be. I'm not really too sure. But I know that, you know, there's only so much that you can do as a musician. And, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work out. And I think that sometimes you have to draw a line under when it's going to work and when it's just stream chasing so you know hopefully that it's not a backup it's just changing careers and doing a bit of both um so that's my other wish is to to be able to have a successful career in politics i've got but a theory on that i've got a th- sorry i've got a theory no, on that i was actually thinking about this the other day and i think if there was more musicians and footballers in politics and i mean the footballers that have got a lot of money because they do have influence and we're seeing that now with marcus rashford and they yeah. wonder what he's doing we have seen it in the past as well like i know folks like bono it's like Bob, slag Bob Geldof, right? But the stuff they did back in the eighties, genuinely, that's mm-hmm. still making an impact. I know it's still not resolving. That's a that's a different story. I think that's just due to maybe sometimes where the money goes is the money all going there. But if we have people that actually society respects, and let's face it, this isn't. Be, I'm not calling out any politicians or any parties. There is a kind of thing whereby we don't quite trust them. But mm-hmm. I trust my musicians. I trust. I trust my footballers I trust some of them I do trust like yeah I trust them yeah I think for me I am very skeptical about young um young people who go to uni do a degree in politics and then go straight into Holyrood or Westminster they haven't lived they don't know what it's like to be struggling or being really really poor and all that um, they haven't lived they've went from you know mum and dad's house or mum and mum's house or dad and dad's house or whatever to, to uni, to um, a, a salary job in an office and, you know, a hu- in public office. And they haven't lived, they haven't experienced what it's like to to struggle or what it's like to succeed. Um, and I think that more and more we're seeing um, when you're a musician, when you're a singer or when you're in the public eye of all sorts, we've seen that activism is key to having a really long, healthy and storied career and for I think it's an abomination that it takes Marcus Rashford to got, get the government in the UK to U-turn on, you know, school meals for Wayne's. Like that shouldn't happen. But it's amazing that it did happen. But we're also <laughs> seeing the fact that these these footballers and these musicians, they're not just footballers and musicians anymore. It's they've got a public duty to to be a voice. And when they do actually step up and do that, that's amazing. But I'm sure more of them are doing things behind the scenes that we're not quite seeing because they don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it. They're, they don't want to shout it from the rooftops because they want to be modest. They're maybe doing it for tax purposes too. But like, I'm sure that there, there are more people who are philanthropic. But you know, when you're a musician and you're 23... I don't have the funds myself to be philanthropic. What I can use is my platform to try and raise awareness about things. But I'm sure that if I was really rich, I would do the exact same. I mean, Dolly Parton has literally almost funded Moderna. 
Do you not think that's unbelievable for someone to change the earth like that? And she's good at I've got I've got an idea. So Big Dolly fan. Parton, does Dolly Parton not have her own like theme park? How about Iona? You take over Cardona's. Oh my god, I think that it would be anarchy. I think that the looping star's gone. What is but what is going on with that? I, I've literally I noticed that the actual big ride, the, the most decent ride, has been decommissioned and it's it's away. So yeah, no Cadonas is great. I spent loads of loads of great time there, but um I've never actually been at M and D's, so I'd probably be more interested in taking over that. Is that still going or is it shut down? Uh, oh, just... I think it's still going. I think they've got some kind of new owners, but I don't know. I get kind of scared when I see in the story about everyone hanging upside down, mm. and I don't mind a bit. I don't mind a. I was going to say a, a big ride, but uh, yeah, I'll say it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. A bit of a roller coaster, a bit of a scary roller coaster is good. Mm. Uh, yeah. See, in, so, in terms of in terms of politics, you are actually making a bit of an influence as well, and I've noticed that on Twitter, where there's, there's the likes of yourself, Erin Boyle, and I think is it. Miss Punny Princess. <laughs> Miss Punny Penny. Len Punny Penny. Penny. Ah, sorry. She is so good. But the likes of the likes of the three yous, yous are expressing stuff in Scots and I don't even want to be divisive here, but I feel as if it's pulling away for unionist views, you know? And they're kind of scared. I think they're actually scared of what you three are actually doing. Oh, believe me, this day, um, just today, there was this, you know, horrible comment from this, you know, we get trolled all the time. Now, I must admit, sometimes I deserve the trolling because I'm really outward with what my politics is. But Lenny Soros at Miss Punny Penny, she's not actually party political. So if you notice on her feed, she doesn't align with any one party. And she went, she decided that from the very beginning. I'm sure in private, she, she vote, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure how she would vote in private if I was making assumptions, but publicly she's not party political at all. So all of these unionist voices who are going after her, it's completely unfounded because she does not publicly align to any party if these unionist voices are going after me and they have and they continue to troll me and to scrape my Twitter and to find tweets I made when I was 13 years old to try and make make a laugh at me now, you know, they've got far too much time on their hands. But I sometimes do deserve that because I I do put my put my views out there, but she certainly does not deserve half the stuff she gets. Um, and of course, Ed and Boyle, we we just met each other a few days ago at the Scots Language Awards, me and Len and Erin. And of course, Erin is a huge Celtic supporter and a huge, huge, um, she does so much for outreach within football. Um she must spend all of her time volunteering. You know, I think there's a charity that she works with to give experiences um, to kids going to their first football matches or underprivileged kids and disabled kids and kids in, that are care experienced. She does so much work um, that, you know, I don't think she's party political either. But the thing is, is that the work that she does, the fact that she's liberal and a good person, like, is just like... It's just bait for these people. And just today, you know, this some of these unionist accounts that they've got 30,000, 40,000 followers, they, they bully and antagonise three women online who are, we're in our 20s. We're like 21, 22, 23. I'm like, have you not got anything better to be doing? Like, you know, I put up a post saying Scott's Lead Quine's first time meeting Len and Erin. 
wasn't anything political. And, you know, this huge account, I'm holding it up here, I'm not going to call them out, but this huge account decides that they're going to incite a pylon for, for us just saying, hey, we met up, three of the girls, we met up, we took a photo, um, we're at the Scots Language Awards, we're getting recognised for what we've done, it's a great night. What's political about that? Um, and there were some horrendous comments saying, oh, these women are servants. Um, servants to who? I don't know. But um, <laughs> but they all seem to have the same flag on their profile and they all seem to have the same football team logo as well. See, on the subject of that, though, like I suppose like we do a football podcast right now. We've got Celtic fans, we've got Rangers fans, we've got Aberdeen fans, we've, got, we've had fans of all sorts, right? My thinking always is with football, music, actually politics, right? Scott and me for 90 minutes would maybe well, don't want each other's team to win. Mm-hmm. Music-wise, I might like different music to what Aaron likes, for example. I might support a different political party to someone else. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to maybe respect some of our views, and, but vice versa. Like, we are, that's human, that's that's society. We don't. If we all agreed, probably it would be maybe boring. I don't know, I'm an idealist, so I'd like us all to agree, to be honest. But, yeah, that's my kind of vibe on all these things. Yeah, I think if these trolls actually had meaningful debate and were coming to the table with some good constructive criticism or things that are proactive and moving forward, then we'd probably maybe listen to them a wee bit more. But when these trolls with these flags and logos are coming to the table and just pure insulting somebody over language or over culture and it's not actually about politics they just want a dig at someone because they perceive them to be an enemy because they support a different party or football club or whatever like it's not actually proactive bullying girls online isn't isn't helpful in, in furthering your own political agenda or your own agenda of hate because that's what really happens on twitter a lot i feel as if it's a lot of dinosaurs that are starting to feel as if they're losing their identity generally feel that's what it is by used pushing a Scottish your Scottish identity through and people are backing it. I think that's where a lot of it actually comes from. I do think so. And what's concerning is that that post that I put up was not party political at all. It was it was just three Scottish girls at a, an awards for Scots language and and they have piled on that. They are now piling on not just things that are, you know, quite um Republican in sentiment. But they're they're piling on things which just is about Scottish culture and traditions. And that's really concerning because, you know, 10 years ago, regardless of your political persuasions, if you were I, if you were, you were no, if you were Labour, if you were Lib Dem, if you lived in Scotland, you were, you know, you were Scottish, you were Scottish and, and you, you didn't actually have this hatred for Scottish culture or Scottish language or Gaelic or Scots. Maybe you did, but I find nowadays... Um, people aren't just hating on, you know, people who maybe identify as nationalist or Republican. They're hating on anything that seems Scottish in any way whatsoever. And that's when it moves into more ethnicity as opposed to, well, not ethnicity as in white, black, ethnicity as in like our, our cultural identity as opposed to politics. Um, and that's when, you know, you've got those poems that Boris printed years ago, which, you know, talk about exterminating Scottish people. It's not about that. And it's it's really concerning because this is just anti-Scottishness. This isn't even posts that are anti-SNP or anti-nationalist or anti-Republican. This is pure just like, that seems Scottish. I don't like it. 
if you hate it so much, why why bring it up so much? Like, if you hate it, like, why don't you just leave it be? That's yeah, the, thing. the thing is, it's not... And you're right in saying it's nothing to do with, you know, politics or just, you know, you could put up a photo of anything. But actually, it's not even to do with the fact that you're involved in, you know, Scottish music or... Um, you know, the, the things that you guys are involved in. It's not, it is just literally the fact that there are sadly men on the internet who just don't want to see women being happy. That is genuinely it. So I could put up a photo of me going to an Aberdeen game and the abuse that I get for no reason at all. And some of it's from Aberdeen fans. So it's nothing to do with not supporting the same club or anything like that. It is just people who genuinely find joy in putting someone else down for no reason at all. And the really bad thing is, sometimes when you look on their profiles, because a lot of them aren't actually that subtle and they don't bother with fake accounts and stuff. If you look on their profiles, you, I've seen uh, a mix of, well, one, people who are in their 40s, 50s. You know, if someone spoke to your daughter like that on the internet, would you think that was fine? People who are young and have got on LinkedIn pages all looking for a job. Mm. And you, you think that when someone Googles you, they're going to be happy with the fact that you spend your weekends bullying strangers on the internet. It is just utterly embarrassing and it is difficult because why should I you know the answer to that should not be that I think I shouldn't post this I can't post that because why shouldn't I and it's the same as the whole women shouldn't I mean you know oh advice to women don't walk out you know don't go and walk alone after dark why why should I change my behaviors to accommodate people who can't behave properly yeah, that's the thing. A few few months ago, I could not get a taxi home from the city centre in Glasgow. And I decided that I'd walk the three miles to Springburn. And um, I did. And I noticed that most of the paths weren't lit at all. Um, Google Maps took me into a building site. It took me hours to get home at like one in the morning. And I only had one drink that night. It was I was late in going out. I was just wanting to catch up with one or two friends. Um, you know clubs weren't letting us in it was it was a busy night out um, but I wasn't drunk um, I wasn't in a place where I was irresponsible yet when I brought this up with my local MSP saying hey the paths aren't lit properly it's pretty dangerous walking around here at night going from the city centre to Springburn what can we do about it people were going oh silly bitch what's she doing what's she doing walking home herself what's she doing that she shouldn't be doing that oh I bet she was drunk you know people are really quick to victim blame but if we just maybe raised the next generation to not attack women in the streets that would be great or not attack anyone in the streets because I know that this goes both ways um but yeah there was a lot of victim blaming going on online but I definitely find that the there's uh, the incite pylons and um, if they see something they don't like or they're threatened by, then they will incite a pylon. And I just think it's mental that whoever these trolls are, it's targeted pylons. Like they, there's a, you know, they'll screenshot a tweet and they'll, they'll pylon people. And it's, I just think, do you have kids? How would you feel if this is your kids going through this? And, you know, someone was calling your kid ugly online or someone was calling your kid mental or, or making fun of your, your kid's mental health issues or physical health issues or, I don't know, some of these people have kids and I'm really shocked at that because I'm like, oh my God, I hope your kid's all right. See, I can I just bring it back to football a wee bit. So something that I found very interesting, we've had guests on from women's football, right? And obviously the women's national team and also the game in general is getting great exposure now. See the respect value in women's football compared to what it is elsewhere. It's night and day. And that comes from a lot of different things. Like there's not that whole 
the chants. There's certain chants I don't agree with. Now I know I'll sometimes been been like laughed at because I don't sing certain songs, but it's certain songs that I wouldn't sing them to someone in the street or say them in front of someone. So why would I sing them at a football match? Mm-hmm. So it's respect. That's all it is. Like just respect people. Like people can have different opinions. People can have different views. Let's just respect each other. Yeah, I mean, there was a thing on on TV a few weeks ago about, you know, one of the first women in Scotland to play for the Scotland team. And to begin with, she had to go abroad into Europe to play for the... Rose Riley. Yeah, Rose Riley. Yeah, yeah, there was a play about her. There was a play that was on um, the Oran Moor in Glasgow about her. um, And someone was playing her. um, And I just thought, oh my God, at this time, this woman wanted to play professionally but couldn't in our home country had to go into Europe so we we are really behind in Scotland I think a lot of the time we think Scotland's a very progressive place but actually we're not doing good enough in representation in general um I mean I I love the fact that in Aberdeen I feel like the team is really diverse you've got people of all different ethnicities and I think that's amazing I really like Jet he was one of the only ones that came out and actually spoke to kids um Okay, I think we've all frozen, apart from me. No, we're all right. We're all good. We can hear you still. Jet, I like Jet as well. He's got, he's just, I like his character and all that type of thing. I think he's cool I guy. Think... Some fans don't like him as a player. I, I, I like him, but that's, that's again, opinion. Mm-hmm. People like different players. On the subject of that, who's your favourite Aberdeen player just now? I don't know. I mean, I'm probably going to say Scott Brown because, um, I mean, like... Look at, look at this. This is, this is really bad content. For, what's what's for going on here, by the way? Right, so everyone, this is the Scottish Football Podcast. We are, some of us are already... Oh, my God. What? I know. So I was... Erin Aaron is, is showing a picture of Scott Brown and her. It's and not been posted yet. I'm saving she, it for is, she is blushing. I think Erin has a wee crush for Bruna. I don't... <laughs> He looks, older. he looks ancient. Like, I genuinely thought he looked like a 40-year-old man. And like he, me? No, but, like, compared to the other um, other boys in the team who look like schoolboys... But well, some like, of them actually are, though. I mean, Calvin Ramsey is, like, 18 last week. Yeah, well, fair enough. But Scott looks ancient compared to all of them. And I was thinking, oh, my God. What are we doing here calling out men? Calling out men oh, I'm sorry, I'm this sorry. This is terrible. I, Scott I McGill, McGill, like have a look. <laughs> he looks a lot younger with hair and I just, just didn't realise until the lockdown that he just I thought he was bald and then in lockdown I was like that's oh, Scott Brown with actual hair respect works two ways here <laughs> I know I know but, but, um, about, he was lovely I was yeah. quite I think I was a bit embarrassing so I'd been to St Mirren as a guest um, and so obviously after the game because you're there as a special guest of the club after the game special, guest, of, special guest of who Abadi or St Mirren St Mirren Pardon? What? I was invited what? and I was very grateful to accept the invitation and I knew we would lose so I didn't think I'd feel awkward. So after the game you have a little glass of wine and stuff. So Is that why you were leave, wearing black and white? Is that why you were dressing black no, and white in that and picture? No, I didn't have a red on as well. <laughs> by the time you leave the players are all leaving as well so when you come out the front players leave it. So I was like oh maybe I'll just see who's coming out and it was probably I was there with my colleague Patrick who was embarrassed by my fangirling Joe Lewis recognised me through the chuffed but then Scott Brown came out uh, how did, he, how did that Joe Lewis recognise you? wait a minute how did Joe Lewis recognise you? I've met Joe Lewis is... quite a bit and I'm maybe I'm memorable I'm wait, how, have you met, how have you met Joe Lewis often? either it's after games or hospitality and stuff yeah stalker what's that stalker what did you say stalking him? 
It's probably if you shout at them. Aberdeen's a small place. If you're up in Aberdeen, you see them. And after games, no. quite a lot. So, I know, I know. Um, saw Joe Lewis and then saw Declan Gallagher. Didn't get a photo of Declan Gallagher. And then Scott Wright came, um, Scott Brown came out. And Scott I Wright? Like, Scott Wright? He, he's not there. I saw that on Grata. I know, he's long gone. So um, Scott Brown came out and I was like, I'm going to go over and just say. And I think I was maybe a little bit mad because I was trying to explain to him why I was like there and that actually was a fan because I didn't have my like stuff on. And then he was so nice. Sit mad and fan. Why does a sit mad and fan want photo with me? I made it very clear to him. And I also oh, did said he ask you for a photo? Did he ask you for a photo? Is that what happened? He's heard it he on the said, podcast and went, you're, Aaron, you're on that can I get my photo with you? follows you on Twitter. Can I get a photo? Yes, that lie. So he was really nice. And I said to him, I'm really glad you've God, I think I was like maybe a bit cringe. I said to him, I'm really glad you joined our club. And he said, Aaron. Well, we just need to start winning now, don't we? And I said, We do. Aww. Yes. <laughs> and I was quite pleased with myself. It, as always, though, see, when you get a photo with someone, you kind of want it to be a nice photo. It's really not. No, it's yeah, like, I I've got this awkward angle. What have I done in this photo? It's so annoying when you meet someone like famous and then you look at the photo of yourself and you're like, Great, I look like an idiot. Right, I'm going back to music here. I'm going to say this. I am, see, like, in my time, I've been around loads of different people that have been, I should be totally starstruck over, but the person that I've been starstruck over the most was Limmy, the comedian. Um, And I drove up to Aberdeen to see him at the art centre. It was his book, he was reading stuff for his book. And I met him and I got the most foul photo of me and him. I looked horrendous. But like when I when I got up to him, I actually lost my ability to speak because like I had listened to his vines so much over my like teenage years, all of them. And I was like, I can't speak. I was just starstruck. So embarrassing when you get that like nervous feeling and you're like, oh, it's so stressful. And can he play it cool? But out, out of all the people, you know, I once met Eddie Izzard on set um loads at Martin Compson on a set as well I do some sometimes I do extra work in my spare time really great cool people and I, I didn't feel starstruck with that but when I met Lemmy it was like that but if was, I get you to meet Taylor Swift will you help me meet Martin Compton oh my god that would be very cool well, did you, well I, I'd quite like to meet Martin Compton I'd like to go on a night out with Martin Compton yeah, well, I like be, him are you going to help I want to get to meet Taylor Swift you're going to go with her to a show and meet her Probably. well I've got a, I've got a Taylor Swift story so I was in Dundee once, and uh, I don't know if you've been to Asai Records, any of you? Heard of it. Right, so I'm staying over, like having a wee overnighter, and I I quite like my vinyl. I don't play it often, but I like collecting it. So <laughs> went yeah. along went along to the shop just because I was going for the opening. Didn't realise it didn't open till I don't know, whatever time it was. And they had a sign up in the window saying, today you can get signed Taylor Swift albums. Now, my missus is a fan at this point. I've not heard it was the probably the first album she did with the National and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Missed it by one. Oh, by that's one. Rubbish. That's rubbish. But on terms of celebrity meetings, I've had a recent one which I was buzzing about. Unfortunately, the next, a lot of younger folk were like, who? I was at Kyle Faulkner the other week. Q&A with Alan McGee. I met Alan fucking McGee. Now, for someone of my age, I'm older than Scott Brown. I know it's hard to believe. Yeah, I know, Iona, you're looking going, what? No way you're older than Scott Brown. I met Alan fucking McGee, Oasis manager. He is basically the man. If it wasn't for him, Oasis would not be as big as we are. My boss got, got, got the photo. fan club gig last week in Edinburgh. He's obviously what? out all the time now. He's managing again. He's he's back in the game. Um 
got a photo with him and I look like I've won a competition. <laughs> if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? I've tried to, try to smile, do it, and he's like deadpan. Every photo he does now is deadpan. I've, try, I've tried to smile. I don't like smiling on demand. Like, I'd rather smile naturally and oh, I just look. Oh, yeah. in terms of that I'll give you a belter right I went to see the view at King Tut's and it was I think they played like seven nights in a row and I when I was going to gigs I was quite a badge in for sticking a bottle of vodka down the front of me to sneak it in and I forgot how tiny the, the venue is and I was passing a bottle of vodka about like the wee half bottle of vodka and one of the bouncers caught me and he's like right out and he's got me with the neck and I went right mate you've caught me I'll give you the vodka I'm going to leave. They still grab me. I says, mate, leave me alone. Fuck. So he ends up going out. And on the way out the door, I met Jeff Ellis that ran tea in the park. Okay. Aye, transfer. Ran the Aye. venue. And I got a photo with him. <laughs> he didn't know I'd been fucked at the venue right enough. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few music stories recently, actually. I was at the Suts last week and someone did a similar thing to you. I think they snuck a wee, a wee bottle down the front. Photo passing about a wee half bottle. So we've all done it. My mum. Oh, actually, you know what? One one time that I was a bit starstruck was I once called. So there was a there was a news article that was put out, and it was something. It was actually wrong. It ended up being recalled and redacted. But it was something to do with James Blunt and Brexit, and I immediately was like oh what a bam pot here we go little wee posh boy James is supporting Brexit so I I bam him up on Twitter of course I do um and I don't realize like what I'm actually getting into because he's brutal on Twitter and um he he saw this tweet and immediately I'm like oh no because he he mailed me and he was like here I actually don't support Brexit that's going to be redacted could you like take your tweet down? Also, I've listened to your EP Dark Turn of Mind and you remind me of Joni Mitchell. And I felt so bad. And I called, and then he said, Also, what is a BAM? And I had to explain to James Blunt on Twitter what a BAM was. Um, and I was like, it's kind of like a Ned, but it's not really a Ned, like it's not really class, like it's no classist. It's like you can they don't know, they don't know Ned either, though it's Chav down south, isn't it? Oh, yes, I guess, yeah. Chav, Chav is what they use down south. But anyway, I had to explain like that. I'm sorry for calling you a bam. Turns out you don't support Brexit, right? We made up. And and he said that I sounded I reminded him of Joni Mitchell. So I was I was shocked. But Circling back, my mum taking bottles of vodka into a James Blunt concert at Aberdeen years and years ago. Um, <laughs> um, she liked James Blunt. I, I think his music's great too, but it's no for me. You know, it's more my mum that liked him. Yeah, I actually think he's quite funny on Twitter. He's got a bit of humour. He's very he's funny. Serious. I like that. But he goes he's... after people. So I was like, oh no, what have I started here? I don't think he does it unfairly though. So it's people who... Um, it's people who say things to him and it is people who are being, you'd made a mistake, but generally it's people who are just being unnecessarily like, it's just stupid. Yeah. And it's stuff they've said to him that's like not great. And actually what normally happens is he comes back and he's quite harsh and then they're like, all right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, no. He's, Twitter's he's, brilliant for interactions like that. I think so. And even, I actually mind the day that I was playing, the day that I sung at Pathology, the day before um, when they announced it, there was some lad on Facebook who was like, oh no, not her version. She's shite. It's too slow. So I screenshotted it and I punted it up saying, 
really glad that Stephen's looking forward to tomorrow. When I sing it, I'll be singing it just for you, Stephen. And uh, he actually came back on the original post going, oh, sorry, um, it's great. It's just a wee bit too slow. Sorry. I was like, we were, we were speaking about Martin Compson, obviously, not long ago. I don't know whether any of you have seen Vigil. I'll no spoil the... the spoil it. I'll no spoil it. But if folk have seen some of it, they at least know that he's not in it for long. So some people had watched it. Martin Compson's in it, and they've gone, oh fucking tuned in to watch it, you're in for 10 minutes. Same as the rest of that line of duty shite, the last series. And Compton's pretty good as well at, like, quote and getting, getting torn in to people. Um, he is great. And over the election this year, he was so vocal. He's, like, he's one of the actors who, like, isn't afraid to put his opinions out there. And I really like that because, you know, over the years, you've had more and more actors kind of trickle down with who they support, what they support. You've got people like Brian Cox and Alan Cumming and, you know, David Tennant and all that. And of course, Martin Compson. And then for years and years, you know, Sam Hewen kept as, you know, the guy from Outlander, he was, he kept quiet on it. And then he came out saying, you know what, self-determination is no a bad thing. And I thought that was, that was amazing. But it took him some time to actually do that. Whereas I feel like Martin Compson's actually just stuck his flag to the mast for you know forever so I really respect that in a musician and an actor but when when you're a musician you actually nowadays you don't actually need a label to put music out I'm independent I don't have I've got agents in America and in Germany and in Denmark but I don't have an agent in the UK and I've not got a label in the UK so anything I do I've funded it myself maybe I've done a kickstarter maybe I've you know, maybe I've taken a loan out or whatever. It's it's been high risk. Um, whereas actors and actresses, a lot of the time they rely on an agent getting them the audition, on um, networks taking them on, on different film companies funding it. You know, there's a lot to lose if you're an actor and you maybe get on the wrong side of someone due to your political allegiances. And that sounds ridiculous, but it does happen. So for Martin to actually, for all of these actors and actresses in particular, to put, you know, maybe their career on the line or their reputation on the line, um, it's a big thing. And Sam Hewen, he was, a lot of people thought he was going to be the next James Bond. And what is a more British you know, icon than Bond himself, despite having a backstory of being Scottish and all that. So when Sam Hewn came out and, and said that about, about self-determination, I thought it was amazing because it showed that he wasn't scared to just put his flag to the mask. And that goes for, you know, musicians who, who are Tory musicians as well. Congratulations, all four of you. Um, yeah. Is it, uh, Martin Compson, like though, Martin Compson has a good link because Martin Compson was a bit older before he became an actor. Aberdeen, he was at Aberdeen as a youth. He was at Morton. And then it was at, when he was at Morton, probably, I mean, he is a Greenock boy, but he did then obviously get Sweet 16. I think Sweet 16 was his debut. And he did that and went, oh, actually, it's all right for me to be a, a lovey. He's not a lovey, but you know what I mean. Back then, he must be, what, mid-30s now, I think? It probably wasn't cool in Greenock to be, oh, I want to be an actor. Mm. So, football link. And I'd like to be a Big Celtic fan. Big Celtic fan, football aid. He's good in football aid. He did the fuckery thing. How cool yeah, is that? Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was cool. I didn't watch it, but I saw on social media that he had like his little name about in his coat hanger and all that kind of stuff. I think that's brilliant. And it's for a good cause as well. And it's fun. It's fun to see. And I would, you know, if Martin Compton was on Strictly, I'd I'd watch it. I'd totally oh, watch it. Oh, that would be good. Compton yeah. on Strictly. I'd like him as James Bond. Is that your third wish, to be on Strictly? Oh, no, I can't dance to save my life. No, absolutely not. Oh, I, I, can, I can dance. Yeah. I can dance. What, do you need a bass? Do you need a bass? For like what? folk, Happy Mondays, best. I've offered Miguel. Miguel said it's maybe a goer, didn't you? Maybe. Mate, I was only just trying to appease you. <laughs> what do you mean? Come on, nah. surely. I'll get no, a bucket yeah, hat. Bucket hat. See, see, talking about music again, though, Iona, I feel as if there's a disconnect between Scottish people and folk music now. And, well, no, now, but there has been for years. And I feel you're the way you put out songs, it seems to kind of bring a modern feel to older folk songs. Like you've brought out some older folk songs that is a different kind of, it's a different listen to what they were, what they were before. And it's good to get used to that, I feel. Yeah, redoing them and reinterpreting them. I mean, when when Lisa Aberdeen mailed me saying, oh, we'd like you to do the Northern Lights, I thought, well, great, but that song's been done so much times to the, like, the da, 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 like the tricky kind of upbeat, like, waltz time accordion. Kaylee, Kaylee. Kaylee. And to kind of reinterpret these songs and put an electric guitar behind them and make them a wee bit more up to 21st century is is a good thing. But of course, there's always going to be these traditionalists who they don't like that. They want it how it was. They want it before. But in order to get younger generations involved in folk music or in traditional music, then you have to change it. You have to do different things. But as I said, the old guard is always creeping around the corner. But guess what? In 20 years' time, the old guard are going to be deed. Um, but you still want the traditional, you still want the music to continue to inspire other people. And I know that, like, in Glasgow, it's a city full of great musicians, you know, whether that be folks singing, um, you know, great Irish songs at Irish bars or, you know, the best um, country and Americana stuff in the world coming to Celtic Connections in January time. There's a place for everyone, whether that be the smallest intimate venue to the concert hall. And folk music deserves to be put in both, um, you know, the session all the people having a wee jam and it also deserves to be put on in an arena show. Um, you know, I went to see what's his face, the guy that did local hero. Oh my god, my oh, mom. Oh, uh, I, oh, I used to have the poster. Mark Knopfler. I yes. went to see Mark Knopfler at the, the hydro. And I mean, he had loads of folk musicians with him. One of my pals was was touring with him. And folk music deserves to be in arenas as well as a small little coothy pub. And I think that moving forward, you have to innovate in order to make sure that the music um, operates within all of those spaces. See, in terms of gigs, actually, sorry, Scott, one of the guys who's sometimes on the podcast, he, and it might have been one of your last gigs before COVID, possibly, he actually said that he saw you at the key sessions. Oh, yeah. Or in King Creosote. Yeah. He said you were very good. Oh, thank you. And that was actually with a band that we do, like Appalachian ballads. So um, ballads that went from Aberdeenshire over to the American Appalachian mountains. So really old traditional stuff, but like country music. So a little bit more in line with early Taylor Swift. But 
but yeah, I think that folk music deserves to be on, on all stages. You know, years and years ago, you had the Corries and the Dubliners and all that, the Clancy Brothers, and they operated within huge venues, but you'd also see them in the pub afterwards having a tune mm. and a song too. Well, I, what I find though, see like, when my girlfriend being Irish, like when we go across there, every household knows the majority of folk songs. Mm. But see here, I feel as if it's like a totally, it's a totally different area now. And nobody really knows, you know the, the, the main ones, like, but the kind of obscure ones, nobody really knows any Scottish folk songs. And it's quite disheartening, actually, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's so many sociopolitical reasons for that, because the idea that, like, you know, over in Ireland, I mean, there's loads of Irish rebel songs and there's loads of songs that aren't political too, really bonny. There's there's ones that are Ulster Scots that are really pretty as well, that if you take away the political connotations, they're lovely. Um, but I think over here, the idea of language, culture, folk songs has been like people use it as a bat to hit people with. Um, they think that all people who engage with folk songs are nationalists. I'm like, well, that's not the case. I know a few a few really great musicians who, they are unionist and they still do folk music, few and far between, but it's become so politicised here, the idea that if you engage with Scottish culture, oh, you must be a gnat, you must be a separatist. Um, and I, I generally find that over in Ireland, they maybe it's because they're, they have had that, experience of now they have the republic now they are able to take control of their culture and celebrate it to the full extent and I feel like we can do that here but there's always going to be a nasty twitter comment you know calling you something I think it is very political because folk music is political just last night I was at an event celebrating a guy called Jim McLean and Jim McLean was involved in the UCS, the Upper Clyde Shipbuilding. He wrote loads of kind of like, ar- around the same time as the Irish Cayley Rebel Songbook came out, he wrote a lot of like pretty pro-Scottish Republican songs. So ones like the Scottish Breakaway, he wrote an album, you know, kind of saying, you know, a funny album about, you know, the, the monarchy and all that. And a lot of the stuff was anti-Polaris, it was anti UK, it was like, hey, let's take control for ourselves. Let's not have nuclear weapons here. It was, I think, because Scottish folk music isn't as nuanced as some of the Irish songs, which are quite clever in how they put their messaging out. Scottish folk songs have always been like, bam, this is what we want. I think that it's so divided that that's it's it's now unfortunately going down and down and down, and that most most people I come across in the folk scene are lefty. Green SNP or perhaps Labour supporters, um, but they are proud of being Scottish, so maybe it's political. See on that side of things, right? I think this is a thing again with music and football, where it can actually not just even football and music. Much as I know when we've had a drink, we're quite bold, we're quite brash, we are quite modest as a nation. Like I genuinely think, and it's not just being patriotic Scottish. I reckon like we should be singing from the rooftops in terms of like Scottish music has taken over the world, Scottish bands. I think just now with COVID, I think we've come through an absolute horror show. We're still in this horror show. Bands are like the biggest influence. And that's genuinely like we've seen so many bands of like, right, what could we do? We couldn't gig, but actually we can write loads of music. The Snuts is the ideal one for me. Like I know some people might not like them. I really like them. I only got into them like probably maybe only about 12 months ago. 
they're getting to number one. Like, we should be screaming about the rooftops, like a Scottish band gets number one. The first since the view with our debut album. Yeah, I think that's what we call the Scottish cringe, is that instead of celebrating our culture, there's people of a specific leaning who are cringed by our culture. They're cringed by the fact that we've got two different languages and that we have, you know, we've got homegrown talent here. Because if those particular people accept that we have homegrown talent and homegrown exports, then maybe the union isn't isn't actually going to work. Like some people can't accept that Scotland's an actual successful place and a successful exporter of both music and products and oil and gas. Um, and <laughs> football, everything else in between. The people have a Scottish cringe because they can't embrace it. Because if they embrace it, then they have to admit that actually Scotland perhaps is a successful place that could go on its own in a in a, an independent Scotland. Like this is really political, but this is my hot take on that: is that people have got the Scottish cringe because they can't accept that Scotland is actually successful enough to to be Scotland. Does it also come back to earlier? We were talking about again the working class element. So the snots make no bones about it. They are like working class. They are from Whitburn, Whitburn Lupe. They're drinking butt fast on stage. Like, I what's the problem? Like, it's it, there's a snobbery of it because there is people that don't like them. And quite often you'll say, why do you don't you like them? And again, it's about opinion. Folk can like a band, dislike a band, but well, because they are like from like a working class area and they are mm-hmm. that's the best bands. It's always the best music, yeah. I think, personally. I agree because you know, <laughs> a lot of the people who are working class go through struggles and they and they have experience of the world and they put that into their art and a lot of the I mean I'm not saying that you can't be a successful musician if you had a good upbringing I'm not saying that you had to have a horrendous upbringing to be a good musician but it actually helps you to focus your art into something I mean like um yeah I think that's that's good but a great example of that working class thing is I'm not actually too sure about Lewis Capaldi's background but being quite judgmental on on the way that he carries himself and speaks, I would say that they didn't have that much money. I mean, I don't think he went to a conservatoire to train in music. I think that he was pretty homegrown and he spent quite a few years going round the Glasgow pubs and the Glasgow scene, you know, doing the rounds of the pubs and clubs and, and doing gigs. I think he worked really hard. So when you see him at the Brit Awards swearing and drinking Red Stripe and, and, um, He's celebrated, but then when he makes a comment saying, oh, who's going to win at the Euros? Scotland. Everyone boos. Now, that's not because he's brought football into it. It's because he's brought Scotland into it. And in that minute, he reminded everyone at the Brit Awards that he is Scottish and he didn't identify as British. Now, I know, like, you can see in some of his Instagram videos that he supports Celtic, and I hate to conflate politics and football, but we all do, don't we? That's the bottom line of it. So I can imagine, I don't know if he's been like outwards with what his politics is, but I could take a wild guess at what they are. And in that very minute at the Brit Awards, he reminded people who were tuning in all over the country that he was Scottish and Scotland is different to England. And that's what, that's what people were booing. Do you know the great thing as well, though, about, like, I think there's a, because Lewis Capaldi is actually a good tie-in with us, seeing that Lothian area, for some reason, it seems to be a hotbed of talent just now. You've got him, the Snuts, 
Uh, Miguel, I know you like Luca Lavolpe. I've listened to him recently. Like, I don't know if you've heard Luca Lavolpe, uh, Iona, but oh my word, what a haunting, haunting voice and talking about emotion. Like, I don't know whether he's, I don't know what his background is in terms of his younger, but oh my God, do you feel every lyric? Can I, can I back up what you're talking about, uh, Lewis Capaldi? I've actually played the same pub as him oh. in Armadale. It's a wee tiny thing, it's called the Corrie Bar. And, like, he used to just play round about the bars in West Lothian before he went down to London to then try and crack it, and obviously he did, he managed to do it, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's actually, as you're saying, it is, it backs up the fact that he did play in all the working class kind of areas, and it's, mm-hmm. it's brilliant to see, yeah. Yeah, I think he worked really hard at it. You know, a lot of people think, oh, well, he just appeared out of nowhere. But I I don't think he did. I think he actually did the rounds and did quite a lot of, you know, a lot of people say you have to do all the really bad ones to get to the good ones. You have to put in the effort and take the shit and, and do the support acts and, and get paid 50 quid for, for nothing. Um, I think you, all ha- you always have to do that in order to, to build up a career and all that. Um, and it's nice and quite heartwarming to know that some of the biggest stars ever had to deal with all that too. But I work with the Musicians Union. I'm on their Scotland and Northern Ireland committee. And, you know, a few of the things that we brought up is is better pay for support bands and better better conditions as well. But But yeah, the Musicians Union are doing really, really good things to support people who are maybe from working class backgrounds who want to get into music. Because right now, especially for classical music, maybe jazz as well, not so much folk music and indie and all that. Sometimes classical spaces and jazz spaces maybe are taken up by maybe people of a specific class and people from working class backgrounds don't tend to get a look in because it costs money to get lessons. Um, And luckily I had you know, free piano lessons when I went to secondary school, but I, I never had Scott song lessons. I never had folk song lessons. My mum and dad would just take me to the local folk club and I'd learn songs off like the local audience. So it's that sort of like sharing and passing down of songs from generation to generation um, from different classes and backgrounds. Some of these songs are traveller songs from travelling communities. Like it gives you a really cool perspective on who and how to respect different people of different backgrounds. And sometimes I definitely, I, I mean, I just, I have, you have to respect everyone. So even if you're a unionist, I respect you. Even if you're trolling me online, I'll respect you because I don't like, I don't want to make enemies and everyone deserves to be heard out. But, but yeah, I think everyone deserves a wee shot, but it's only so far, you know, if they're going to bully me online, I'm not going to respect you then. But but yeah, being able to be part of the folk music scene allows you to respect people of all generations, classes and backgrounds. And that's how it should be with music. With everything, with life. With everything, yeah, with life. Like football, though, like going back to football, like we spoke again about the working class element. Again, Miguel, you made the point, I think we've all made the point, the, most of the best footballers didn't come from privileged upbringings. They came from having a hard life. Mm. And they uh, maybe more- maybe that's changed now a bit because it's now more expensive. Or there was a period where it was expensive to play football. To be fair to the SFA and all that, like Paul McNeil, who we've had on community development, like making sure that no matter whether you're rich or you're poor, kids can get to play football because it's not the kids' fault. It's not anyone's. Well, we know who's fault it is to an extent, <laughs> but mm-hmm. everyone should be allowed to play football. Again, like you said about music, everyone should get a chance to find something they're good at. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's where Aberdeen's doing a really good good job. And so I guess probably the same with all the clubs. I mean, some are probably doing it better than others. But in areas, you know, maybe like the East End of Glasgow, I'm sure Celtic are doing really great things to engage locals to try and get them in. Um, I really don't know what all the schemes are, but if it's going to widen access, then that's the most important thing. I know that Dundee does have a really cool community trust. And I think last year they funded um, Scots language lessons where my friend Alistair would, you know, get folk in a room, in a Zoom room all together every couple of weeks to, to, to blether in Scots and to teach, you know, some vocabulary. Like, basically... Some football teams, their community trust are going beyond and above to support traditions, to support heritage, to support young players, but also to support. I just got muted. Um, it was my mistake. I was trying to mute myself. <laughs> I was trying to mute myself and I muted you by mistake. Apologies. I but that just goes to show how amazing football actually is. Because I think a lot of people think when they think of football they're like oh I don't like football they're all rich and their wags are wearing designer gear and all that kind of stuff and I think that they get like bad rep for that but actually they don't see that the organizations that are the constituted community trusts that are to do with the football clubs are actually doing loads of outreach stuff and not just for young players for actual musicians like to be employed by by the club to record that and being paid good musicians union fees to do go into Graham's studio and to record it. That was work that, you know, provided employment for, you know, four different musicians, one mix engineer, one master engineer, and one organization to distribute it. So it's a little mini economy to begin with. But yeah, I'd like to see more of that actually. I think that clubs could probably take a huge leaf out of Aberdeen's marketing handbook because if anyone can market it's it's the team at Aberdeen Football Club that's such a slick marketing campaign and strategy that they have they're great on socials you know if there's a if there's a goal it's on before you can even blink if they've got all these too quick yeah too quick if you're watching a stream or not even a stream I was watching Premier Sports European games and then when stupidly looked at Twitter because you're having a chat about the game with your mates and you realize that we're winning I, that was a while ago when we were winning games, but you know what I mean. But isn't that good for for maybe people who can't afford to, mm-hmm. to stream? You know, like a lot. No, of these... no, it was a it was pay, it was a pay, well, it was that... a paid stream. Well, yeah. uh, well, I. I would. I think it's I think, <laughs> like it is too quick. I agree, it's too quick. But I think <laughs> it's cool because it means that people can be part of a community. What I did notice is that the sense of community at Pitodji that day, like. I could imagine how it is at Celtic Park on an old firm day that that community is amazing. There's there's its ups and its downs, but like the community, the community that I felt at Aberdeen felt quite, I don't want to use the word safe, but it felt really removed from what happens in Glasgow. And I think I've lived in Glasgow for six, seven years. I used to, you know, park my car, used to like live there for a wee bit. And, you know, sometimes it, it could get dangerous on game days. You know, I, I do, there was, you know, we saw 15,000 dangers over COVID, you know, march into George Square and make a mess of it. And and it does sometimes as women, you know, you reroute your way home because you can't be bothered going on the subway when there's all these fans kicking about. Um, but up in Aberdeen, we don't really have that. 
and that's that's a lovely thing to not have um Aberdeen you know supporters aren't tied in with all this politics and religion and all that and it's quite a nice breath of fresh air to be honest um and that is that is really nice to to have that and when I moved to to, to Glasgow you know you'd have taxi drivers going what team do you support and I was like what uh, Aberdeen Partick Thistle I, I don't know you don't want to get, get an answer you don't want to tell them um so I always just said either Partick Thistle or Aberdeen does it even just happen in Scotland right I'll go back to like no that shows my age when the Euro first came out as in the, the cars not the tournament I'm not that old went to Dublin and obviously they hear a Scottish voice they hear a central point voice straight away what team do you support now we all decided right we'll not go for who we actually support we just went Partick Thistle and they were like who because yeah. they want they wanted one or two answers. Yeah. Give them there's, no, there's no way I'm giving the answer. Yeah. I know it's <laughs> it just feels like that's bad though, isn't it? We should all be proud to I get but you sometimes have to not tell the truth. I mean sometimes you, you, you do, totally. And I guess like down here, I mean I think we we've conflated politics and religion and football so much now that they are inseparable. They are so synonymous with one another that it would take so many hundreds of years to try and fix that. I don't think that um, that um, intrinsic link is going anywhere for years and for you know what for I don't think it will ever change. Um, but we can try and and break down that barrier a wee bit. I mean. You know, I've got a band, a friend that's in a band and the band's called NOS and they're a folk band. They're great. And um, two of them in the two of them in the band support Rangers, two of them support Celtic. So if they're on tour and there's a game day, an old firm match, it's just absolute like they're just like at each other. No, I'm joking. They're all totally friendly, but they for them, it's just football. It's not religion. It's not politics. It's, it's just football. Um, and it does not really matter what the crack is. I mean, to other people maybe it is a sense of identity and we see that on Twitter a lot when you know you've got your Celtic Daz on Twitter and you've got your Rangers down on Twitter and it's became such a huge part of their lives that that's all that they are and I think that's a bit of a that's a bit of a shame as well because they're humans and they've probably got lives as well to get back to but um but yeah I don't think that's going to change anytime soon um because of where we're at in in the world. See, I've got high hopes for your generation because you are in your twenties, and I think the next generation have got potential to change things a lot. Might not, might not eradicate the issues, but I think they are. They're not as uh, well. You yourself, you're not as. You're not just going to sit quietly. That's what you, is required. In a way, in terms of, in terms of politics and Celtic, I don't think you'll ever be able to take that away because of the reason it was started was to put food on the tables for children immigrant families and I think that will always be the basis of Celtic and you've seen it for a good few years now that they do the food drives for the food banks and it is it's is, it is brilliant it's so heartwarming that people just come with tins of beans and super noodles and everything like that and just fire it down in front of the stadium for that one reason yeah. and I don't think that should Celtic should ever come away from that because that that is the that is a community mm-hmm. that is a community club and it is political in the sense of you don't like what's happening in the world you're loving in the now, in a different sense. I know yeah, that the, on, about, on, we spoke about this a while fair, like Miguel and me were like coming up, came, we came up with this idea of music, football, whatever. Now, when we said, oh, we might talk about politics. Now, inadvertently, you talk about politics every week because politics is society. 
Yeah. It has such an impact on everything. Now, whether you like politics or you don't, we are always talking about politics because we want to have the best for ourselves, our family, our friends, whatever, what we think is best. That, that's that, that's all we're, I suppose that's what we're all doing. Yeah. And what Fox like, saying there was important because the idea that if you, not depoliticised it, but if you took away what the team was formed to do, then it kind of, it doesn't dilute the meaning of it, but it certainly perhaps will overlook that work and what what happens but I'm sure like it feels it also feels like teams now are getting much better at calling out racism um which is good I mean even you know when Glenn Kamara had had that horrible assault on him I feel like people from all over the football community were took a stand of solidarity against that and I think there's a there's quite a nice mural in the east end of Glasgow next to Alexander Perry that I saw and it was like Rangers against racism I thought it was I thought it was lovely and likewise when there was fans on that bus you know making really racially insensitive you know motions with their face against the the wee lovely Japanese player in Celtic Rangers were really quick to ban them so institutionally I think that the teams are doing really good things to try and combat this but on the ground, I don't know if that's actually going to change people's opinions and mindsets. I think that that starts at home. And for me, I struggle. I really struggle to see young kids being brought into it. And I really struggle to see, you know, babies being born and then slapped a, a strip on them of any team. Yes. You know, yep. um, of any team. What's what, you know, they should be able to choose. Um but then, yeah, I mean, this is difficult because this is getting into the really political stuff now. But when I see a young kid banging a drum at an orange march, I think, do they know what they're? Do they know what they're marching for? Do they know what that means? And a lot yeah. of the time, I don't think they do. Um, so a- I'm not sh- too sure about the. You're very optimistic about the next generation. I, I, have I am. <laughs> I, I, I've been optimistic since I was a young lad. Like that's just who I am, and. Yeah, yeah that, that's just I'll, that's what it'll be. I suppose if we talk about identity, though, we need to probably maybe be fair in a way and try and make an understanding. So if we are saying like about identity of Celtic and what they traditionally stood for, yeah. I suppose if you look at the other side of the divide, the identity there is they are British, which that's what stand for is that's what it, so that's fine because it is okay there's a huge difference between us respecting identity and what they stand for and them shouting anti-irish sentiment down the street in glasgow about the famine and telling people to go back to ireland so there's a huge difference between us respecting that and 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 between what that is and their identity and then pure racism so we have to like draw the boundaries on that and i mean cosgrove you know summed this up perfectly on the talk media podcast with with Eamon and it was just like that sort of institutional racism is gone and within the teams you know that both teams are like no we're no we're no having this this is not what what we're for but on the ground we're still seeing things like this happening all the time so whilst we can accept that there is a divide and they are allowed to be able to (laughs) to to um be proud in the fact that they're British and be proud in the fact that they speak Ulster Scots because it's definitely a thing um we we can't just let them off with racism um so I think that's yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm I know. 
I'm struggling. I know it's not the it's not that, but I suppose it's just identity thing. Like what yeah. everyone we we're all in the podcast calling out racism all the time and calling yeah. out all the bad of Scottish football because we need to also flip it out and say Scottish football is great. Mm-hmm. Like we have character, we have a bit of something different that we don't have the loads of money apart from Rangers and Celtic do have a fair bit of money, but we do have that more honesty about us, I think, than what you see in other leagues. And you see it in Dundee as well between the two teams there. Like they're always on at each other's, but there's no there's no that kind of political religious thing. Um funnily enough, a few months ago, I'm not actually sure if I'm allowed to say it or not, but I was doing some extra work for a, a new TV show that's coming out. And as part of that extra work, I had to I had to dress up as a heart supporter and sing the hearts, hearts, glorious hearts thing. And I was like what somebody they didn't tell me that's what I was supposed to do you just show up in the day and you're told this is what you do learn this very quickly go and do it and I was like I couldn't get it out my head because the tune that they used was to an Aberdeenshire song called the Al Turaku the one that's like and something like hearts hearts glorious anyway I knew the tune because it's a bothy ballad but um, the the words I was like, oh no, like oh no, no, oh no. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so difficult to um to get everything separated when there's been such a historical intrinsic link between football, politics, and religion. But I, I I mean I love it down here in Glasgow, and I wouldn't change it. You know, I wouldn't change living here. I wouldn't move back to Aberdeen because of it. I wouldn't, but I would reroute my I'd reroute my travel plans because of it. I'm not going to lie, I would certainly do that. I would avoid both Ibrox and the East End on game days. Um, but I'm actually going to have to go now because I'm I'm my head's bursting. I'm no far up, but we're almost finished. We've got ten minutes. If you stay for ten minutes, okay. If we you all... stay for ten minutes, we'll talk less about really serious subjects and more about pies. But we need to talk about serious subjects. That's what we have to do, isn't it? As our society. And pies. Well, I did say at the start of the podcast, football music, there'll be a bit of food chat sandwich between that. Again, it was a good joke. I made two good jokes early on. And yeah, laugh. but you're like... Iona laughed. No, Iona laughed. Iona is obviously... No, Iona's obviously used to dad jokes. I am a dad, so I can tell dad jokes. Miguel did laugh. Miguel like they, they like the Elton John sunglasses. You did, Miguel. Don't gears your P I S H. Erin, you just were deadpan as always. Deadpan. I just like the jokes when I'm making them. To be honest. Yes, exactly. Um, we know that. Is that is that an animal? Is that an animal beside you? No one can see no, this, but is that an animal? You sure? Yeah, I promise. Oh, I need to ask you. What did you have for your dinner when you're on the podcast tonight? What did I have for my dinner? Was it some um, chicken, like drumsticks, a little bit of um, salad? Aye, was it? Aye. Or like it, golden it drummers? Was it golden drummers? No, it wasn't golden drummers. It's not Scott McGill's house. Um, oh, oh, oh! McGill, he was having those alphabet Mc... potato shapes for children. I <laughs> I, oh, Miguel, Miguel, tell I own about the alphabet shapes, please. Oh, I heart Kyogo with them. No, I actually done jet first, so you behave yourself. I don't but know why he's not that cute. You're talking about pies. I had two fucker pies for my dinner. Steak pies. Two pies? Two. I'm a grown money. Yeah. Do you like a pie, Iona? I'm going to be honest. um, No, I like a sausage roll, to be honest. I I always go for a sausage roll instead of a pie. Um, 
Yeah, I would always go for that. But tonight, um, <laughs> tonight I had some cheese for dinner. Oh, In just cheese? Format? Was it just cheese? <laughs> just pure cheese, man. Like camembert. We like crunchy, like. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I know. Well, that was like 4, 5 p.m. Um, Do you see it was like between Springburn and where? You possum. And you're like Camembert with like fancy bread. Aye, well, we well. did pick that up at the B&M at Springburn. We were at Great Western Road. Oh. What are you thinking? Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Was it George Mewes? Was it George Mewes? Jay Mellis. So. Oh, Jay Mellis. Aye. Jay Mellis is brilliant. She's wonder. Oh, Oh, it's all changed now. It's all changed now. Ellen on my light up. You're sure working class. I've got really good That's cheese. That's when we're having cheese and wine nights. What kind of cheese do you use to uh, get a bear out of a tree? Come on, bear. Oh, come on, bear. Oh, <laughs> I've got a few Worcestershire cheese. Erin, Erin, right, you, you remind me of my mother-in-law in the nicest way. She would laugh at her own jokes. That's because it's funny. Why would you not laugh if it's funny? My dad well, laughs his own jokes, and they're all wild. They're all just, just wild. So, similar to mine? No, yours is probably better. <laughs> don't, don't you can come on again. You can come on again. Yeah, yours is probably much better. But there is that, like, da joke. There certainly is the, the genre of da. But it's like, once you get yeah, to dad, you can tell that. Once you get to dad, you can tell dad jokes. But yeah. you see the best thing about it? Right, so my boy, he'll, like, go, oh, that is shit patter. That's mm-hmm. the I know he's got it on Twitter. My father, your joke. He's stolen my joke. Ah, so. I, I do that sometimes. <coughs> See if somebody says something really funny, I'm like, here, can I tweet that? And and I swear, like, it always it always goes down well. See if it's not my humour, it goes down much better than than when it is my humour. But but yeah, that's pretty cheeky of the Baron. Uh, but fair play, I'm kind of like respect. I'm obviously all right. It's, it's kind of like darts I kind of like feel like I'm not like great at darts but if you keep on throwing a dart eventually you'll hit bullseye yeah perhaps. two things we need to do very quickly one I want a pizza do you like pizza Whoa. pizza see if you got a pizza how would you eat it would you eat like the crust first because it's the rubbish bit and have the nice filling bit last no I leave the crusts a lot yeah. <laughs> would you eat the crusts at all or just leave them um, sometimes I'd eat them, sometimes I, I would leave them. I've got a really screwed up jaw, so I can't really do crusts. Yeah, there you go. The so you, basically, Iona, what you're saying is you eat them like normal people. Pretty much. Pizzas. Crusts are like yeah. the handles of pizza. Like Erin, we love Erin. We love Erin. But, but we're trying to get the vibe of how people eat their pizza. Now, I would say just now, we're 90% eat the pizza like the the top, the the filling and the toppings, and then crust last. Yeah, I think that's where we're. But if you get that crust out of the way, you're left with this lovely, delicious bit. How do you how do you handle the pizza then? The crust is the handle of the pizza. Just use my hands. I hold it with my hands. No, but do you go like this? So, like for well, example, like this. I order. I order. I order. Look at our nails. Look at our nails. I make a little white claw for it. Oh no, <laughs> that's lovely. wrong. You don't get like sass and all that in the nail. No. Well, I that's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Same as a sandwich. If you had a sandwich, would you eat the crusts first and then the nice filling bit last? No, I would also use the crusts to hud the sandwich and, and eat it like that. Erin, Erin, like mm. I reckon that there might be a, I think we're finding out things every week. We're what, episode 18. And I think you and Bleasdale might be the only two people that eat their pizza that way nah, and the sandwich. Just you wait and see. 
Just you wait. What, for the food revolution? Is it going to be a food re- revolution? We'll wait and see what happens. We'll get asked. We'll keep asking guests. The only other thing I want 18, to 18 episodes. 18 episodes. We've got a whole season, don't worry. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention was there have been games this weekend. Don't really talk about those. There's games coming up this weekend. Don't really talk about those either. There we go. No. But, but it, was a, it was a music football special in the loosest form. Basically, what it turned into was the modern question time. Mm-hmm. Which I think actually as a panel, as a panel, the four of us, I think I think I, I, I think we've done a good job. To run for our money. To be fair, Aye. we've had no opposition to anything we thought of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I agreed with everything. <laughs> I, I, I did try and bring in a bit of a and it wasn't even my personal views. I try I, I, that's my, my job to try and bring balance. We did say about respect though. We did say we can respect. Maybe Aye. not agree. But that needs to work every side. I don't know if I ask a lot question. Of... Okay, um, what would be your karaoke song? Mm-hmm. Oh, probably Love Story. Or like um, Out of the Woods or Wildest Dreams. Wildest Dreams is good. Yeah, probably. Right. You've done Northern Lights, but if there was one football song apart from that that you could sing, what would it be? Hearts go his hearts. They learn the words. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's good, Erin. Erin, that's very good. Do you just wait till it's like it's like about eleven o'clock your time for being funny? <laughs> I'm funny all day long. I think um, the Road in the Miles to Dundee would be a really pretty song for Dundee United. I've not heard, I've not heard that actually. I well look it up. That's it's another one. Kaylee songs that were like waltz time, similar in Northern Lights actually. Um, Road in the Miles to Dundee. I think that'd be a great one for Dundee United. Right, I'm going to that like. One of the best football songs I've ever heard. It's no football song. It's an act. It's obviously it's not whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. No, I know my one, mate. That was I own, I reckon I own. I could do a good version. I whatever it takes. Have you heard the girls? Have you heard the girls' song? Whatever it takes. I reckon actually. A duet between the pair of you because you've both got folk backgrounds. Make it happen, please. Make it happen. I like that. That's make cute. it happen, please. Th- this is my this is my vision, right? Oh, see, honestly, this is the first music football special. But the only people we are asking on are Scottish musicians to begin with. We'll see how it goes later on. Like we've we've, we've got some good names lined up, honestly, we do. But it's all it's mostly. I think you might be the you might be the here the peak. But we've got the, all the up and coming ones coming up, and that's wait till we get Taylor Swift on. She's not Scottish. Yeah, but one day we'll run out of Scottish. One day she'll be Scottish. If she married Calvin Harris, she would have been. Oh, aye, <laughs> but she went out with Ed Sheeran, didn't she? Is that true? Do you think that's true? No, they're just friends. They're just friends. Aye, friends with benefits. No, I don't even think that. I think no, that... let's not besmirch Taylor Swift's good name on this podcast. Yeah, I don't want her <laughs> libel on us. <laughs> see, before you leave Taylor Swift, did you see her in the North Island last week? She was in Belfast. Did you see uh, up a thing saying Taylor Swift here? <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. But there was, a, there was a wee guy as well, a musician in one of the pubs, and he had put up that she stayed in for his full set, for his mm, full okay. three years. How nice is she? Imagine, I don't understand because she was at the Met Gala one night and then she was in Belfast the next. So she must Balance. have. 
she, no, but she must have got like a red eye over, but she must have been exhausted. But that is good balance going into like wee cute pubs in the North Ireland and then being at the Met Gala. But I don't know how she did it. I have no clue. Mm. What, like went to the Belfast pubs or? No, like managed to like go to base. Private well, jet, I I've, I've been to Belfast, right? And I'd like only, it's been like from the central belt, you only hear like certain things about Belfast. You hear the, or you see what the, all the bad. Belfast is one of the friendliest cities I've been in. It's like a night in Glasgow. And no, and genuinely, no one asked me what football team I supported. No one. Really? All night. Interesting. That is actually pretty cool. I feel like, um, because I've just finished recording with BBC Northern Ireland, and it's it's been lovely. I've been meeting loads of folk that um, have been speaking Ulster Scots. And, I mean, it's interesting because the their language um, policy is very much to do with politics over there. And, you know, you've got your Gaelic speakers who are the Republicans, then you've got your Ulster Scots speakers who are your, your British. So, like... The, the people in the chamber are using language to beat each other with a stick, effectively. Whereas here, you know, I'm pals with Gaelic speakers. You know, it's not divided. Like, Gaelic and Scottish speakers are pals. But um, recording for that BBC Northern Ireland thing was really interesting to see how how it actually works over there. Because I always thought, oh, well, you know, Ulster Scottish speakers and Scottish speakers have the same linguistic aims, but very different political aims. And it was quite nice to like detach everything and just be like, oh, this is how you speak. This is how your your word for this is. And it was it was just really nice. And it was quite like wholesome and quite humbling. So that'll be coming out probably in January time. And it's a it's a two part episode or two two episodes about between um, Scotland and Northern Ireland. So I'm looking forward to that. I reckon that's a good time to wrap up because we like positivity to end the podcast. Yeah. Iona, thank you for coming on. Thanks I know we've kept you a bit. Me. I know we've kept you a bit longer than you were saying, but so that's that may good. be set. That's good. My and head. if you ever want to come back on, okay. like because you're like. The kind of almost the pioneer, but Miguel, you were the real pioneer in the music football special. But the duet make it happen. That'd I reckon. Be cool, be well cool. Once I'm back, my, my, I'm back in Glasgow, half by Flower of Scotland, Flower of Scotland at Hamden before oh. we go and play in the World Cup. There well, we're trying this. We are trying this. Even come on, you would be better. But we are trying. We're trying. We're still Caledonia, please. That would be a good oh, one. Oh, that's a song that makes me... Well, Miguel, you've covered Caledonia. I've told you what my thoughts were in your version. It made me have a wee... I was cutting onions and all that, and it was... Aye. <laughs> Caledonia, <laughs> surely Caledonia makes everyone cry, no? I in think a happy it's happy. Way. A happy way. I'm happy McLean, because he's sitting rubbing his hands. <laughs> <laughs> How can he rub his hands when he's playing the drums? Has he been by? Puts oh, no, that's, that's by pond. Cut. Edit, edit that out, edit, oh shit, we don't edit, right, thank you Iona, Erin, Miguel, pleasure, good luck for your tour in Denmark, and music and football is great. Cheers for hearing me. Mm -hmm.